Sunday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. We are back after four games in a row where the Anaheim Ducks faced off against the LA Kings. And uh, got to say, Jake, it was it was quite the experience. It was quite the roller coaster ride. And it ended in spectacular fashion last night at Honda Center, the home finale in front of fans, which is which is, I think, a nice a nice way to for things to go out. A, a, a huge six to two victory for the Ducks. Ryan Miller's last game at Honda Center, uh, a nice send off for him. So just kind of a kind of an enjoyable week to 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 be watching this team, I would say. It was. It definitely was. And I mean, the week started off I think in a very good uh good fashion. You and I both were were able to to see that uh Trevor Zegers was recalled to the taxi squad on Monday, which yep. overall was good news for Ducks fans because I feel like the Ducks would not have done that without the impression of him coming into the lineup soon. And you even got a shout out from the Kings broadcast. You had, oh, to, just, uh, you had to put me on blast right away. The, as the person who uh, put out the information about Zegers getting recalled, even though if you were to look, my tweet came out first. Well, okay. So first off, I'm just giving you a hard time. Felix deserves credit. <laughs> first off, huge, yeah. Huge. Thank you to Jim Fox for the name drop. I, I was watching the game on the Kings broadcast and at first, I I thought, did, did I just hear my name? You know, did, am I? And then I re- rewinded, and it was like, oh crap! Yeah, that was definitely a little shout out. So that was cool. It was yeah. it was enjoyable. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It yeah. was it was cool. It, Fan, it, fanboyed a little bit there. I mean, you should. It was a big 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 day. Big day for Crash the Pond. Yeah, and also pushback though on your your accusation because we both get it from the same place. I know. So I know. just yeah. uh, just simply making jokes. Simply making jokes. Yeah. But, well, anyway. By the way, want to simply uh, also, if I'm in the mode of calling you out. <laughs> oh God. It seems as if you've let your bit die. What bit? The the bit that you had of uh, day of the week. Oh, that's true. You mean yeah. you mean holidays? Holidays. There we go. There we go. Holidays. Well, you know, I I feel like the, the the bits need to be organic, and sometimes you know you don't want to force it. I felt like maybe my last couple of attempts at it were a little felt a little forced and I mean, so i mean you can just admit you weren't committed to the bit it's fine it's fine it takes commitment I mean, do you to be, want do you want me to do you want no, me to I don't care. You what today's holiday is i don't really care i think I you just, do care because you're you're like putting me on blast about it i mean i'll put you on blast about anything doesn't okay, really well, matter also um okay here's a fun one so today is actually orthodox easter sunday so if we have any orthodox christian listeners there you go. Happy happy Orthodox Easter Sunday. Also, this is actually a good one. This is a great one. Uh, it is... Well, actually, wow, there's a lot of Easter's today. It's Coptic Easter Sunday, and Coptic, I think, is like Egyptian Christianity, and it's also Ethiopian Easter Sunday. So there you go. I think that's cool. The I'm more you, you learn. That up. The more you learn, folks. Okay, Although- but this, th- this is the one I'm excited about. It is... Uh, oh, God. There's actually a really bad one. <laughs> Do you want to hear it? I don't know. It's National Infertility Survival Day. <laughs> That's just what is that? Okay, but this is the one I'm excited about. It wasn't that one. World Tuna Day. World Tuna Day. I love me some tuna, ahi tuna, uh, tuna in you know in a sandwich out of the can. Tuna is a very versatile and enjoyable fish, and I'm a big fan. And now Jake is turning off his mic, so. I'm going to have to riff here a little bit. I, I'm trying to be fed kiwi from off camera, and I'm not a big kiwi fan. 
Also, you're recording a podcast, so I, I don't know if people want to hear you eat. Yeah, definitely. Uh, people do not want to hear me eat. But yeah, Jake, I feel like you might be the kind of person who doesn't like seafood or doesn't like fish. I don't like fish, but I do like oh, shellfish. I knew it. I knew I, it. We've definitely discussed this also. No, I don't think I've ever heard you say that. So we've, you don't like fish. You don't like eggs. What do you like in this world? I mean, I like things. You're you're a rebel without a cause. Yeah, I guess, so. a, I guess a man so. A man without a without a flag. I guess so. So there, there's your bit. The bit's back, folks. Mainly because I forced it on you, Felix. You completely forced it. Well, I forced it because you know you committed to a bit and you didn't stick to it. I, you can't just commit to something and not keep not follow through. I just, I, I didn't realize that there were all these versions of Easter today. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you know potentially may have connected with our our Orthodox Christian, Coptic Christian, Ethiopian Christian listeners. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Just completely off the rails. It's okay. That's I promise, normal. folks. We, we well, let's just talk about the ducks right now, right here, right now. So, I think to me, there's there's definitely some takeaways from the games throughout the week. You know, the ducks played the yeah. Kings four times, and you know some of these games were definitely entertaining. I mean, we saw Quinton Byfield's debut for the Kings, which I think was kind of cool. But I think the biggest storyline of the week to me is as you alluded to the fact that Trevor Zegris did get recalled and not only got recalled, he also was put at center and, and not just put at center, not just kind of thrown into the lineup, but also put between Troy Terry and Max Contois. And I got to say they looked very good together from the pretty much from the second that they were united. Yeah, and I mean, let's not also let, let's also mention that the other big storyline, which may be as important as the Zegers one, is the fact that Ryan Miller announced his retirement. So, just kind of beating you to that before some people call you out for for not mentioning that as being one of the big storylines from the week. I mean, but, I I mean, look, it's a big storyline. I think for a lot of people, the Zegers thing might yes. might have been bigger. Yes, so, but but I'm so not, I'm the, not the, trying away from that. Too. Yeah, so I mean, let's just jump into it with Trevor Zegers. It was obviously a big deal, and I mean. He performed it as you would expect. And, I mean, here's the thing with Zegers, and, and this is my big takeaway from the these three games, the three games that he played. He looked like he was a natural at center. And I'm not even talking about uh, face-offs because, as you all know, I just personally don't find that face-offs really matter that much. They're part of the game, sure. But they don't really have an influence on wins and losses overall in the grand scheme of things. Uh, being good at them doesn't necessarily set you up for success. But... The thing that Zegers did do well was he had some really nice plays specifically in the defensive zone where he was able to read plays perfectly and lead to breaking the puck out of the zone as a result of it. There was one specifically, I think it was in the first game against the Kings, where there was a a rim around where he kind of cut it off behind the net, was able to pick it up in mid-stride and then turn around the net, get past a four-checker and break out of the zone as a result of it. And that's what you want to see from Zegers as a center. And not only do that, but you also have, uh, for instance, plays like in... uh, uh, last night's game against the Kings where he was able to get the puck in the D zone and with the puck on his stick, drive through the transition uh, all the way into the offensive zone. It eventually leads to a goal with a really nice play where he sets up Max Comtois. And this is exactly why you and I have for a while projected Trevor Zegers as being a center long-term is because he's a guy that just, he's better with the puck on his stick. When the puck is on his stick and he has time and space, he's able to make plays with the puck. And as a center, you're just going to get more puck touches. And I mean, there's even a quote that Dallas Aikens had. In, I know. It, 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 it's, it's actually baffling to read that. 
It is. It is because I'm trying to find the quote right now, but uh, here it is uh, from Dallas Akins. This was in Eric Stevens' article, but it says, when he's on left wing, he constantly has these boards on his left side and limits his space. This kid can find space, and the more space he has, the more offense he can create. I've always just equated offensive space. Putting him in the middle gives him a ton of room on either side to either make plays or find more space. That's the biggest thing for me. And then he also yeah. had the thing I've been really impressed with from him in the first couple of games here is his responsible play without the puck. We know where he's going to go with, with it. We're not going to take that away from him. Thing I was a wee bit worried about was how he was going to play defensively. And so far he has done very, very well. It, so it's just my big, my big takeaway from that is, well, why was he ever at the wing? Like why, if, if you know that, that he's the kind of guy who can thrive with more room, why did he ever play at the wing? And I think that they're like my theory on this is that they were not sure that he could play center. And I think that part of the reason why he started at the wing was to see if he could just kind of handle. I think it was a decree from above. Maybe. Well, well, what are you saying? That, that, that Akins didn't think he would be a center and I think someone stepped in. No, what, what I'm saying is I think the reason why he was on wing was not a Dallas Akins thing. It was a uh, Bob Murray thing. And that is it's based, possible. based upon the quotes that we had. It seemed as if the, the Ducks plan for Trevor Zegers this year was to have him play in the AHL for a bunch on the wing to ease him into the NHL professional game and then eventually call him up later in the season to get 20-some-odd games in the wing as NHL experience, then basically jump into center next season. That's at least if you're going to look at the quotes that Bob Murray had which I have some issues with on the whole, the the big transparency quotes that he had. Um, but if you were, were to take some of it at face value, it sounded like he was ahead of schedule by their uh, yeah. read on him. And by that, it seems like their schedule was this entire season he would be on the wing, and then they'd switch him to center next season. And so to me, that almost sounds like that going with this Aikens quote makes it seem like the reason why he was on wing in the first place and wasn't at center wasn't a Dallas Aikens thing. It was a Bob Murray thing. I mean, it's possible. It's, it's reading. Possible. It's reading into a lot. You are you are definitely, mm-hmm. as you tend to do, uh, drawing some, some sure. strong I admit conclusions. It. Fully admit it. Fully admit <laughs> it. It's important to admit when you're taking these jumps, though. Okay. But, but, but so I think it is possible that they were not sure that he would be responsible enough defensively to be a center. And he showed enough of that at the wing to where they felt comfortable shifting him over. And what's funny is that playing wing and center and the defensive responsibilities there are really not that similar. And so I don't know how much information you could really take away for a guy's ability to play center when he's playing at the wing. Also, starting him at the at center, what would have been the big risk? The team yeah. at that point was already kind of slipping out of the playoff picture. It wasn't life or death anymore. Anyway, we don't need to rehash that. Well, also my, my other kind of thing on that is why not just have him at center in the AHL? Why, why start him at wing in the AHL this well, year? Well, I, I think it's because he was playing wing at the world juniors. He yeah. had played center in over in almost a year. You but know, he, was, the, he was playing center in college. It's not it, like the yeah, world he, juniors but, were like 10 games. Yes. But the last time he played center was in last March. It was it was yeah. a long time ago. And I think yeah. that that's that's probably why I'm not like I'm not trying to justify it. I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time rehashing yeah. that that yep. debate, but the point is, the point is uh he looked great at center and I think what's interesting is that he looked like a natural. He looked yeah. like someone who I mean, Shocker has been doing that their whole lives and also 
what stood out to me the most was, and you you already kind of touched on this, is that in all three zones, just so involved getting back to retrieve pucks, breaking pucks out, transitioning them up ice. I think, and we've and this is something that we've talked about on previous podcasts, is that him at center completely maximizes his toolkit. It makes him the it, it it allows him to add the most value possible to his team. And one of the big questions we had was, well, once Trevor Zegris gets put at center, what kind of value add is that going to be? What kind of piece is he going to be at five on five? And particularly with the Terry and you know Contois with Terry and Contois at his wing, we saw that we know what we're going to get from Contois. He's a finisher. He's a guy who's going to drive to the net, find those quiet areas in the slot, and put and put uh, pucks away. We know Terry's the guy who's going to win board battles, help transition the puck get shots off. Mm-hmm. We didn't necessarily know though, how Trevor Zegris would fit into that equation. And we, I mean, I think we got a pretty resounding answer. He's the guy, he's a transition beast. He's a yeah. guy who's going to go back, get pucks, bring it up ice, controlled zone entries, going to find his teammates, going to get shots off. He's just so full of energy out there. And that, that is something that I don't know he would have I, yeah. I don't know if I saw that coming right away. And one thing that I want to mention is if you, I'm looking at some of his numbers from his time as a winger as compared to as a center, and they were kind of all over the place. And granted, it's a three game sample. They could still end up all over the place at the end of over these next four games, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, Jacob and Larson the, can look great for and, three and games. The, and these were three games against the Kings, who are the second worst team in the division next to the Ducks. So who knows mm-hmm. how it goes in the next games against the Blues and the Wild. But if you look at his games prior to this, his expected goals for percentage was really up and down and all over the place. And it really kind of led itself to the fact that as a winger, he really couldn't make his impact on the game. And it really felt like a lot of times his puck touches were limited. He was really dependent on what center he had because of getting the puck out of the zone, whether he would be able to even get it in transition. And so it was really all over the place in terms of expected goals for generation with, with most of his games ending up in the kind of... Uh, at 0.3-ish, 0.4 in that range with some being higher, some being lower, but overall kind of being in that range over the time. So by that, I mean he would be on the ice for a total of 0.4 expected goals for, which is not that great. It's not horrible, but it's 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 not what you expect from someone that you're labeling to be a potential point-per-game player or someone you hope that could become a point-per-game player in the next couple of years. And over these last three games, though, 0.76 expected goals for in the first game against the Kings, 0.69. In, uh, or sorry, that was the, his first game against the Kings, 0.69 in his second game, 0.99 in last night's game. And all this while being well above uh, 50% expected goals for percentage, with the last two games actually being absolutely stellar defensively, 0.22 and 0.2 expected goals against. So it's not only that he's generating a lot of offense for, they're really limiting the amount of chances against, which is exactly what you want to see from a potential top line moving forward. And so Zegers is not going to be the only person behind it, but as the center, he makes a bigger impact and has a bigger impact on the ice because the puck's on his stick more. He's the one driving the play. As a center, it's much easier to be the person driving the bus on a line and being the one driving the play on the line. And I think that's what we've seen from Zegers on the whole. And I think that this is something that can really carry over to whatever winger you put with him. Obviously, I think this line works and I think there's way, uh, and I, I think it really optimizes a lot of different things. But I think you can put Zegris with a whole host of other wingers and really help him fi- and have success there because we're seeing Zegris as being a primary driver of the su- success on this line. Having said that, I would not break it up. Leave them together. They seem to work together. They seem to work well together, and they seem to complement each other's games well. 
Exactly. And and that's the thing is, I mean, for everything that you said, I think part of the reason why those numbers look so good is because Zegris is a very intelligent player. Like, not only does he have the physical tools and the skills, but he thinks the game at a very high level. I mean, he was able to be thrown into the fire. And sure, it's against the Kings. It's games that may or may not have been that meaningful in the grand scheme of things. But still, it's NHL-level competition. He was still against Kopitar at various points in time, who is still, like, a really good center in the NHL. And he was making quick reads. He was making intelligent passes. He wasn't forcing anything. He he really I mean and maybe this sounds like we're we're being overly positive but I mean we went back and we've been watching his shifts you know after the fact and there's just no there really aren't that many holes in his game nope that he didn't make these kind of blunders that maybe you'd expect a rookie center to make that weren't missed assignments defensively and look those may come we've seen him in the past have some have some mistakes here and there I I, I don't expect him to be perfect all the way throughout his career but. For him to make it look that easy, I think really speaks not not that much about his physical tools, but really just about how intelligent he is. And also, I think maybe the thing that has gone really underrated in his game um, is that he skates very well. He's a very fast skater. Mm-hmm. He's strong on his edges. Well, he's, 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 he's worked on he's worked on his strides a lot in the last summer. I mean, I mentioned this before, but and he's, and he's very agile as well. He's quick. Yeah, Elite Prospects had a really good, uh, I think it was a YouTube video or something like that that I watched during World Juniors, and they mentioned that he's been someone that's uh, been in Anaheim prior to the World Juniors all of last summer, basically working on a skating stride, working with the Ducks skills coaches to essentially rework his skating stride so 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 he's able to uh, uh, get more power. I think it's more so that he's kind of taking his strides over his skates and and generating more power as compared to letting the legs uh, flare out a bit. And so he's worked hard on on really getting that skating stride to be a spot where it optimizes his body as compared to where it was prior to to being with the Ducks. And so that's one thing that he's definitely seeing benefits from as uh, he's jumped into the NHL and been able to utilize that. And I mean, here's the the interesting thing I actually realized on, on Zegers. So he now has three points over his last three games, two points uh, last night with a goal and an assist and had another assist uh, uh, on Friday night. So all three of those points are primary points. What's funny though, is that he doesn't have a power play point really. Like, I don't know how many power play points he really has at the NHL level. I don't think it's that many as of yet. And so if you look at his time in the AHL, the majority of his production, I'd say probably about half of his points or something around there have come on the power play versus at five on five. So granted three game sample size, small sample size, not Very saying small that sample, it, it's yeah. not going to continue, but if he's able to, to kind of keep up some five on five scoring at, at a relatively decent pace and add some power play scoring, that's going to be a recipe for success long-term for him to keep up scoring at a point per game pace. The five on five may fall off, but eventually that power play scoring that he's been kind of known for in the AHL will come in. Oh, absolutely. And I think that I think he will be a better five on five player by being at center. I, yes. I think that I it's it's funny because I think we were we were saying this on last week's podcast that Dallas Akins will say things. He will have comments that are like, yeah, we agree. That is the correct takeaway. But we'll make decisions that kind of run to the contrary or yeah, just not really follow up on those words. And this is another case of that where everything I think he said about Zegris at mm-hmm. the wing was absolutely true. You're not going to get the most out of this specific player and his, his skill set um, when he's at the wing. And so that's what you're seeing now at center. And 
just to kind of add to the the, the point on skating, also uh, Zegras has zero power play points in the NHL this season. There you go. Um, to add to the skating, though, I think that yeah, his skating stride looks really fluid to me. And I'm not going to pretend I'm some skating expert or anything like that. There are people who are make careers out of this, but from what I understand about skating, like he. He just looks so agile. He's not hunched over. He's not overly upright. He's got that proper ankle flexion. His knees don't come all the way over the foot. So he's just looking really good out there. And yeah, I think that, you know, we've, we've also been really driving the bus this, this season for Troy Terry. And I, I think it's also great to see Terry get onto that line. And I think that his skill set does mesh perfectly mm-hmm. with Zegras because he's a guy who's just going to help, help keep the chains moving. And with Contois, I think that although, look, we at least I've harped a lot on his five-on-five game this season, I do think that putting him next to two players like that with his finishing ability, it just seems like it's a recipe for success. And Eric Stevens, you brought up the article he wrote today. You know, is this Anaheim's future top line? Is Could this be one of their top lines for years to come? It, it's possible. Yeah, it, it's definitely possible for that to happen. And I mean, that's... Obviously, a lot has to happen. Um, Comtois needs to continue shooting. Zegers needs to keep developing. But there's the chance that this could be their top line. And mm-hmm. uh, that's that's an exciting thing for Ducks fans to, to really think about. And I think the line can work because, I mean, Comtois is not going to necessarily continue shooting at 16 to 20% throughout the rest of his career. Well, but... Having an elite playmaker like Zegers next to him, though, true, is, is, is going to help with that. And and the thing that Comtois doesn't do well, though, is the defensive side of the game, which is something Terry actually is very good at and is very underrated at. Mm-hmm. And so having two guys like Zegers and Terry and Zegers in short, uh, in, in the small sample size that we have, ha- has shown that he has the ability in the D zone that maybe some people were worried about with him. But he's just a smart player, and smart players can make plays in the D zone. And mm-hmm. so that can really work well with those three and, and Terry also making that up. And basically Comtois, all he has to do is go to the front of the net. Yeah, exactly. And and he, he has that. Look, we still don't know for sure that he'll remain a high kind of finishing shooter in the NHL. But look, the sample's getting bigger and bigger. And we have seen that he'll probably not remain at this level, but he'll he might remain kind of an above average shooter. Who knows? But playing next to a, an elite playmaker like Zegris and also Troy Terry, who's a very good passer. If you look at like Corey Schneider's tracking data, he's a guy who's very good at getting the puck into the slot. And so mm-hmm. look, we're, we're being very positive here, folks. It's yeah. You might, you might even say it's positive Sunday. It's positive it, May. It is the month of May after yeah. all. So we we got to start on a positive hey. note. And hey, yes, the- and yes, it is a small sample, but I think that, it makes sense. I a mean, lot of this makes sense. Here, you want some numbers? So this is from uh, Natural Stat Trick, mainly because they're they're the place that it's easiest to look up line data. Mm-hmm. So in the three games that they've played at five on five, they've uh, uh, Zegers, Comtois, Terry have thirty four minutes and seven seconds together, sixty two point six nine percent Corsi four percentage, hundred uh, percent goals four percentage, three goals four zero against. 70.86 expected goals for percentage, 1.8 expected goals for, 0.74 expected goals against. This is per natural stat trick. Uh, 21 scoring chances for, only 8 against. 7 high danger chances for, only 1 against. 2 high high danger goals for, 0 against. Mm-hmm. So those are some pretty good numbers. On a shooting percentage at 11.11%, uh, on a save percentage at 100. So most likely they're going to have some goals going against them. You can't expect a hundred percent goals for or no. 
like yeah. that that stay the place 100% uh on a save percentage to, to stay the case but 11 point 11% shooting percentage actually isn't that high for an on a shooting percentage of, of a line if they do have that what high end talent what was the expected goals percentage expected goals for percentage is at 70.86% see so for evolving hockey it's at 64.8 so regardless oh, it's very good <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah. so um, overall, really good numbers from this line. Uh, yeah, over, and, over and their the eye test is there too. I mean, yeah. you you saw it in last night's game. Um, if if you want to maybe touch on that one, since it's the most recent, and then we can after that just go over maybe some highlights from what we saw last week. But you know, the Ducks won it six to two, and you saw Max Contois with a highlight real assist, if we'll call it that. I mean, the puck was sitting behind the net. He dives with one hand on a stick and scoops it to the front of the net and gets Trevor Zegras a goal. Trevor Zegras returned the favor later in the game, dashing down the ice. And then as he's curling behind the net, just kind of drops off a backhand pass into the slot. Contois is able to put it away. So those two, again, like it's, it's a perfect yin and a yang, a playmaker and a finisher. And you really saw it in last night's game. Yeah, you did. And that, I mean, one thing I want to mention on that second goal, the one or the one by Contois, that play really sets up from Zegers getting the puck in his own zone. And, yep, and, exactly. He, and, he brought and, it all the way down. And he transitions. And one thing that I thought was interesting was he had the ability to stay wide with the puck and really try to set up a two-on-two with Terry, uh, with him staying wide and Terry staying wide on the other side. But he made it a point to, to cut back across, attack the Kings defender, and really bring the puck into traffic which is a, something that you have to be a very confident player to be able to do. And he brings into traffic, which draws some Kings defenders to him, drops it off to Terry. Terry then sets it up back to him and he's able to battle through more guys, draws more defenders to him. And the thing that's so important about that is he's drawing guys to him and he understands that that means someone's going to be open as a result. Oh yeah. If you're, and, and, if you're and drawing you know, guys, you know, it's all intentional too. Yeah. He knows that if t- if one or two Kings defense if two Kings defensemen are coming towards him or Kings players, that means someone's bound to be open. And he sees that it's Comtois right in front of the net. Comtois is wide open, gives and, it to him with a beautiful feed, and Comtois is able to bury it. And, and that's so what Comtois is good at: is driving to the net and putting putting pucks away. Exactly, and finding the soft spots on the ice. And if you have Zegers, a guy that's going to draw attention, and he's a guy that not only can draw attention but pick a pass to the guy that uh, is open as a result of getting that attention. That, that's a recipe for success right there. 100%. And so, by the way, that was Max Contois' 14th goal of the season. And look, I know that we've already kind of covered this topic on the show. Oh, we have a, t- we have a question about it incoming, so just stay, save it. Okay, okay. I, I w- well, just so everyone knows, I was going to talk about his upcoming contract. Yep. But we have, we a, have question a question incoming. about it, then that's all the better. And then just in, some other takeaways from that game. I mean, Max Jones getting on the board, which is good to see. Um, Jacob Larson... Just piling up the points. Jacob Larson putting up good underlying numbers this week. Two assists in this game. So, look, Dan- I'll say that... Danton looked- Heinen with a goal. Derek Grant with a D- goal. D- Danton Heinen with a very nice goal. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah one time, a one-time blast. But Larson, look, he's he's played better as of late. And it's been next to Cam Fowler playing on his off wing. Uh, so, I, I will give Jacob Larson a little credit here. And look, maybe it's the switch to white tape. Maybe that's what it was. But whatever, so, whatever it is, he's he's has looked a little more solid. You know, I think that part of I think part of the reason why Larson maybe does a little better next to a guy like Fowler is because he's not tasked with really much of the breakout duties. So yeah, he's go- he's going to defer to Fowler, and mm-hmm. maybe 
having a reduction in in the amount of decision making he has to do maybe that helps the overall numbers yep and just uh from evolving hockey larson's numbers over this past week uh in the four games the first game of the week he was at 47 percent expect goals four percentage next game 63 percent next game 80 percent next game 59.9 percent so he actually had a very good week and one thing that you mentioned that i think is important to note is he's doing it uh playing next to cam fowler and We've seen over the past two seasons that Cam Fowler has an ability to elevate the play of his partner. We saw it with Eric Branson. We saw it with Michael Delzato. We saw it with Yanni Hockenpah. We've seen it with a lot of different guys that once they get with Cam Fowler, a lot of their, their numbers tend to increase. And so while, yes, I would love for this to be a case of Jacob Larson having improving play, and that really sets him up to be a, a more meaningful piece moving forward. I don't know if I necessarily buy that. I think this is just more of a confirmation of how good Cam Fowler has been over the last two years, that he can make Jacob Larson into a decent to good defenseman. Yeah, I mean, it, it does show that at the very least, Larson didn't just crater that pairing. I think that that's important to note because yep. he had he has been on you know okay pairings and has not done well. So to see him do well in this scenario, granted against the Kings, but I still think that it's something to yep. note and to give him a little credit. Um, and you know, outside of that, the the rest of the games during the week, I mean, they weren't all this pretty as the one on Sunday night. Um, but we saw a good game from Jamie Drysdale uh, earlier in the week. We saw Sam Steele get on the board. Um, so just kind of. A lot of good things, I think, for the Ducks sprinkled into to this week of yep. of action against two, the Kings. Two and two over the course of the week for the Ducks, yep. and I mean taking the, the split. The the other big news for the Ducks is midway through the week, Ryan Miller announced that he would be retiring from mm-hmm. the NHL. Um, I believe this was Thursday when that news came out. Right, I believe it was Thursday ahead of the Friday game, and then it came out that Gibson would start Friday, Miller would start Saturday. And it really set up for a nice night on Saturday. We've already touched on the game and, and what happened on the ice. But but I thought it was it was nice. I mean, the fact that Miller had this long press conference on Thursday where I don't know if you were able to fully watch all of it, but they were able to have a lot of uh yeah, a lot of a lot of reporters of- from Buffalo jump in. They had his brother Drew Miller who um kind of funny, Drew Miller starts his career with the Ducks, Ryan Miller ends his career with the Ducks. <laughs> um and, and had some nice messages from a lot of former teammates. And I mean Ryan Miller is one of the, the greatest goalies in NHL history and is going to go down as, at least right now, the best American goalie in NHL history for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the 2010 Olympic run that he had was absolutely insane. His early years in Buffalo where he was just – he was one of the best goalies in the league. He was a Vezina Trophy winner um, over that span and, and really was just one of the best goalies in the league. There's really no other way to put it. And then eventually moved to to uh, to St. Louis for a little – for one deadline stretch and a little bit underwhelmed a bit. They went to Vancouver and still was solid in Vancouver. Very, and came, it was very solid in Vancouver. Yeah. And then came to the ducks and really understood that he was going from a situation where he was the starting goalie in Vancouver and was coming to the ducks where he was going to be the backup. Like he wasn't the starter uh, ahead of John Gibson. He was and, the backup and still and still did very well is, you know, early on uh, as, as the ducks backup, he, he was still very good. Kind of took a bit of a dip this season, but yeah, I thought that, the way that they did it, um, I thought it was very classy. I think yeah. it's very cool, and I think it really speaks to uh, how well respected John mm-hmm. John Gibson, uh, how well respected uh, Ryan Miller is within the organization and around the league within and hockey look, overall. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and look, you hear him talk. You you hear how he speaks and how thoughtful he is. And mm-hmm. I mean, I remember in the interview I did with Stolarz, he talked about how how helpful Miller has been with with his own development. And I just think that's really cool that he takes the time out uh, of his own training of his own schedule to help others. And it's just good to see. And there's been a lot of talk about what the future holds for him, what kind of he, he said that he wants to stay in the game. Uh, So we'll see. I, I I don't like diving into that too much when it's just more about celebrating a guy's career, but I think whatever he ends up wanting to do in hockey afterwards, there will, Mm -hmm. someone will give him that opportunity. Yep. Yep, and I could definitely see that the Ducks potentially giving him an opportunity if he wants to join management or something along those lines to to provide him that opportunity uh, in the future. And so exactly. o- overall, though, really nice night. Him picking up the 6-2 to two win in his uh, poten- uh, final game at Honda Center. It sounds as if they're going to play him one more game. I think that that game would have been a little bit nice to just be a swan song. Um, yeah. With his family being able to come out on the ice afterwards and the team picture and the Kings being able to congratulate him. Um, but it was overall a really nice night, a really nice send off. The fact that all the Ducks players were wearing Ryan Miller jerseys and warm ups, I, I think it really, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Even though he only played four seasons with the Ducks, it really showed the kind of respect that he had in the locker room and how much he meant to the the players on the team and how much even him coming back for to play this season and what overall amounted to a lost season for the Ducks franchise, uh, how much that did matter to the players on the mm-hmm. ice. And what yeah. what that meant to them to to play another season with him, and so you saw that even with the 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 Kings players coming over, you saw that with Kopitar uh, giving him a long conversation. Dustin Brown, a teammate from 2010, Jonathan Quick, someone who we, who probably looked up to Ryan Miller, who was the third goalie on that 2010 team, um, and so it, you could really see where his place in the game is, and he's gonna go. I mean, let me Ryan Miller, first ballot Hall of Famer. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got, he's got all the accolades. He's got the longevity in the NHL. He's got international accomplishments. So I, I don't see why not. <laughs> Vezina, Vezina trophy winner, even yeah. though only one time, but still has the Vezina I do, trophy. I do want to point out though, that if you look at G, if you just look at GSAX, a goal saved above expected, uh, that year in, in 2010, 09, where, uh, he won the Vezina trophy, he was second in the NHL with 25.08 at GSAX, so goal saved above expected. Mm-hmm. Guess who was first and by how much? 2009, 2010. You don't, you don't get to look it up, by the way. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to rack my head on who would have been good in 2009, 2010. Do you want me to just tell you? Is it, is it Yaroslav Halak? No. No, okay. he was good in the playoffs. He was actually sixth that year, though, in GSAX. Okay. Well, that was a uh, decent poll by me. Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, not too shocking. No, Probably but should have guessed but, that. But the number is the is the bewildering. 40? 53. Holy He holy. doubled Miller that year. He, so, here's, the, here's the question. Mm-hmm. Did the Rangers make the playoffs that year? Probably not. And that is probably the reason why Ryan Miller won the Vesna. But he wasn't like a terrible choice, though. I mean, he was second in GSAX. So it's it's not as if it was like pure highway robbery, although maybe Lundqvist and Rangers fans would tell me differently. Um, So, yeah, it's just it's just a cool moment. It's one of those guys who really deserves it. And look, we also saw this week. We don't know what the future will hold for for David Backus. They gave him a little bit of a. of a press conference there where he got to talk to the media mm-hmm. and 
speculate on his future. So we will see. Did we cover that last week? Did yeah, because yeah, okay. that, that happened last week because he didn't yeah. play in any of the games this week. And it's that's right. Kind of yeah, seems like I, I would assume that he's going to get in a game in St. Louis, though. You would think that would be nice. And especially because there will be fans in attendance. I mean, they play Monday night, so we'll we'll find out. They, I, I would assume that he plays both games in St. Louis. That would be pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, just it, I think, look, again, it's been such a dismal season in Anaheim. It's been such a. You know, when the games were still in the balance, when when the season was still in the balance, when when the games mattered, it it was obviously very very frustrating, and we've had a lot of our quibbles with uh, with how they handled things. But at least things are kind of ending on a positive note. Just honoring the honoring Ryan Miller, and it seems like now they're really focusing on the youth. The other thing I did want to mention, and maybe we'll take a break here right after this, is Simon Benoit getting called up, and. He's been a really great story. I mean, he was undrafted, earned an AHL opportunity, and then eventually got an, an entry-level contract you know, at the NHL level. And so, look, not to toot my own horn, not to toot my own horn, but I distinctly remember seeing him at Ducks training camp. I think I was there with you. You were there when he hadn't been signed yet. And I did point out, that guy's going to make it. And sure enough, he, he cracked the lineup. And He, you know, he, he at least has played in the NHL. Exactly. And look, he wasn't spectacular. He wasn't jaw dropping, but he did make a couple nice plays. I believe Friday night, he had one really good diving poke check to to break yes. up uh, a King's rush. He looked good along the boards. You know, his, his uh, breakout passing, I didn't see a whole lot there. I don't think that he... He was kind of deferring a little bit, but he he looks solid enough. And I think he's it's... Looked just... more, he's looked more useful than uh, Andy Walensky has. Yes, absolutely. Well, he's just more athletic. He's more yeah. mobile. He's and you know it's funny because like with the broadcast talking so much about how he's six foot three and you know them really focusing on that as opposed to kind of the the great backstory that he has. But I think that the, the thing with him is that he is he does just bring more to the table than it than a Walensky type. And so still kind of crazy that Cody Curran. <laughs> hasn't yeah, gotten yeah. his opportunity absolutely bizarre i mean i i went on a rant about that last week and it still holds true but hey at the very least simon benoit is a guy who who deserves that opportunity and it's it's just cool to see it yeah and one other thing before we, we jump into the break want to make note of three of the four games this week the jersey matchup for the yes. ducks and kings the ducks yes. the ducks or so the kings i i believe that they had decided early on that uh Three out of these four games, the first game of this week, they wore their reverse retro jersey, and then the other ones, they were actually wearing their white ninety early 90s, late 80s throwback. I, I love think that it, jersey. I, it, it's, the it's Chevron so, jersey. The Chevron jersey is so much better than their current uh, jersey. Like it, It's just significantly better. But the Ducks, I found it interesting. They made the decision to wear the orange against yeah. the Chevron jersey. And the orange with the Mighty Ducks logo, including... For the the fan appreciation night game, they could have mm-hmm. just worn the black jersey, but they made a point to wear the orange. Yeah, is there something to read into there? Yes, yes. Give me the conspiracy theory. Give me your conspiracy theory. Uh, are the Ducks going to change to the orange jerseys as primaries? Who knows? I, I hope so. I kind of hope that they don't do that jersey that make that specific orange jersey the the home jersey. I would love to see that template be the home jersey make a black version of it with the oh, orange trim. get out of here what do you mean keep if the you, if you're gonna do it just do the orange go bold 
Stop with the black. No, I have that as keep that as the third and just no. have this have that exact jersey and give it the orange trim and and have it black. No, no. Stop with the black jerseys. Uh, Keep- well, I, I think what would be cool actually about having it black is that you can make the backdrop for the Mighty Duck logo have that you know have the triangle be, or the diamond I don't know whatever you want to call it have the triangle be orange as opposed to kind of that that or, silver or, or that that goldish color or just leave the orange jersey as is and just go eggplant and jade for home and away. Well, you know they're not going to do that. No way. No way. <laughs> like, no way. Let's let's just dismiss that out of hand um Uh, but yeah i it's funny because i i put out that they that i i think that that's the look that they should go with and it's got some pushback i think i don't know what the approval rating is on this jersey within the fan base i think a lot of people like it i think so too i I think that if you asked like if you polled people what should be the home jersey next season that the current home or that i would venture to guess that it would be slightly in favor of the orange well I don't think it would be like a landslide, but I think that there would there, there's a lot of support for that jersey. I think if you were, I mean, Lewis brings up the good point. the The thing about these jerseys, I think that the numbers in person are really nice. That they're black. I like the black with the, the gold and orange that. trim. But on TV, they're very hard to read. Just I give will, it a white trim. I mean, this get, is or, or make the numbers white. Like make it, that, the numbers that, white or do a much bigger white trim on it. I would just make the numbers white with black trim. Yeah, and, I, and that's problem solved. Yep. I mean, you know, if we put it on Twitter though and did a poll or asked people, they would all say Eggplant and Jade as the home. Uh I mean, I, I I'm curious what the statistics would be on. All that. right, I'll, I'll put out a Twitter poll after this. Uh, people in the Twitch chat, just as a little little summary, we have 33 people in the Twitch chat right now. What would you want as the home home jerseys? Would you like this orange jersey, the current one, or the current home and away, the current third orange jersey becoming the home and away? Well, you, or you- or go back to Eggplant and Jade. Do you want my opinion on this? What? Uh, I think that I, I prefer the Eggplant and Jade if they're gonna yeah. if they're gonna switch things around. Um, but, but yeah, I, I am anyway. I, I don't know where I was. I kind of lost my trail of thought. But I just want to say that with that look, um, it's just interesting that they did it at this time and three games in a row to end the season. Uh, it's just interesting. So I'm looking at it, and I would. Out of everyone coming in right now, majority are Eggplant and Jade. There are some oranges coming in. No one defending the current home and away set that I can see, though. <laughs> Every I'd say 90%, 75% are Eggplant and Jade. The rest are orange uh, as the home jersey. I mean, I would be fine with like even just like that jersey you know, that orange Jersey with the, with the web D is the logo. Like even that would be more exciting. Well, do that as your third Jersey. Yeah. I mean, the thing is I actually like the web D. Um, I just, I don't want to see it completely go it, out of the, the palette. It, it's a secondary logo. It's a shoulder patch. And and that's the thing is, and, and you touched on this on the, the last podcast is that the, the mighty duck head, that's, that's this team's history. Like that's what they're about. And I think that, Mm-hmm. get back to it uh, maybe some people think it's cartoony maybe some people think it's not a serious logo but it's it's what sets this franchise apart and especially if you go back to that eggplant and jade then now you're now you're cooking with gas <laughs> yeah i mean so. caleb Halley also says i don't mind the the current jersey but eggplant and jade is just a lot better yep yep, yep. um all right time for a word from our sponsor felix yep 
Take it away, Jake. Oh, great. Thanks. Uh, flowers are blooming. I, mean, I can do it if you want. I, no, I'm good. The, okay. the flowers are blooming. The grass is grooming. Or grass is growing. And it's, and it's time to chop the weeds. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped. You can trim your hole safely and efficiently. I'm talking about ball trimmers. Manscaped, the global leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use code CTP to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. They're here to make sure you're trimmed and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring cleaning. So Felix, spring has sprung and Manscaped has the best tools to get you ready. They, uh, I mean, I've mentioned this product a bunch. My wife is someone that uh, constantly badgers me a little bit about my my nose hair. It, it's a situation. And Manscaped has the weed whacker. Don't you have with, ear hair too? I do not have ear hair. I do not. not. yet. I do not. I do not, not yet. You will. Uh, thanks. I mean, <laughs> sure. Uh, but <laughs> the, the weed whacker is a nose and ear hair trimmer that provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in all those delicate holes. No more gross nose hairs flying in the wind, and it uses a 9,000 RPM motor, 360-degree rotary uh, dual-blade system. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing uh, hygiene. And then, I mean, Felix, speaking of hygiene, what else do they have? Yeah, so Manscaped has formulations to keep you fresh and ready for everything that comes your way all day. So the Crop Preserver, it's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. So look, got to say, it's starting to get hot outside. I actually had to use my air conditioning this week. It, it was it was that hot. Maybe that's just me being soft. Who knows? Yeah, and, that's what it you is. Know, you don't want to have that sticking going on down there. Look, if you're a guy, you know what I'm talking about. It's uncomfortable. It's the worst. And so the crop preserver will help you avoid that, that just awful scenario. You'll also find the crop reviver. Uh, it's a spray-on toner which will keep you smelling fresh down there, just like spring flowers. Who doesn't want that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, they also have a cologne, which is light and approachable and gentlemanly. Yeah, exactly. In all so, the you know, right ways. With things opening back up, maybe you want to go out to a bar. Uh, you want to smell nice. You want to, you want to impress. Good First impression is the, is the only impression, and that cologne will help you. Yeah, exactly. So you can smell good and feel good this spring. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. It's spring cleaning, baby, and your balls will thank you. Boom. Thank you, Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped. So <laughs> That was a fun one. I enjoyed anything, that. Anything else from the past week that you want to jump into? We have some questions from Twitter that, that we can start getting into. I thought you were going to ask me anything more about Manscaped. <laughs> I mean, anything more about Manscaped? <laughs> I did get the lawnmower 4.0. Wait, Nothing. Just saying. It's I'm going to use it. People listening did not hear anything about that. Hey. You know what? I'm doing this for the people. I'm doing this for the people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, outside of that from the last week, um, I think it is worth noting with a lot of the kind of positive things we said that, look, they were playing the Kings, kind of a weird scenario with the games not really mattering quite as much. But look, like I said earlier, it's still NHL competition. It's still live action games. And I think it's just important to to take the good 
maybe give it the, the the proper context, but still note that these these good things did happen and it does bode well for the future. There's four games left in the season. Very excited to see how that Zegras line will perform. Um, and it's just, it's something to kind of keep monitoring. Also, Ryan gets at the wing. Uh, that is a, that is a, a narrative, a, a subplot, a theme, whatever you want to call it, that is just not going away. And uh, I'm ready for it to go away, personally, because yeah. I don't think he looks good at all at the wing next nope. to Derek Grant and Nick nope. Delorier. Nope. I mean, he should just be playing center if he's the fun. Be the funny thing is that there will be shifts where they will control a little bit in the offensive zone, and you can see that it's because of Getzloff. Getzloff, yeah. Exactly. You, the, the numbers took a nosedive once Getzloff was not on that line anymore. Yeah. And, 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 and poor, I really feel bad for Danton Heinen because it's not his fault. Yeah, exactly. So the lineup decisions continue to still baffle. I mean, Sam Carrick inexplicably is just like a mainstay in the lineup. I it, legitimately don't know. Play Jacob Perot over him. See what you have him. Yeah, Perot. exactly. Like, like it just it boggles the mind that that you know guys like that are still getting getting looks. But you know, it's positive Sunday. It's Orthodox Easter Sunday, so I'm not going to go too crazy here with the negativity. Yep, and one thing I do want to mention for anyone that is pro-tank and are worried about what last night's victory did. So the Ducks are currently still second worst in the league. Uh, it seems as if Buffalo is pretty locked in with a... Uh, the Ducks have a six-point advantage on the Buffalo Sabres with uh, six games left. So more likely than not, the Sabres are going to finish last in the league. The Ducks are currently only two points back, though, of New Jersey, but New Jersey does have a game in hand, and the thing for the Ducks is they're going on the road and aren't going to be playing the Kings anymore, so I actually feel pretty comfortable that the Ducks are probably going to finish in this 30th spot. I I think that these wins don't really also, affect too much Also, I, I do want to point out, and this is something we talked about last week, but I want to reiterate because my, my belief in this is getting stronger and stronger. This is a good year to be bad and just not necessarily be the absolute worst and get the first the first overall. Yeah, like I, if, I th- if the Ducks end up getting the fourth, fifth, sixth, so pick, it's it's really well, not the end of the world. Real quick, the the big thing with I think staying thirtieth as compared to 29th, and this is actually a big deal this year. No, there is because Seattle. Yes, if you yes. are second worst, you have the second best odds at the lottery. The lowest you can drop is fourth. Yes, if you are the point. if you're the third worst team in the league, you have the fourth best odds because Seattle automatically gets the third. So basically, if you finish 29th, you can fall all the way to sixth, and if you're set, if you're 30th, you can only fall to fourth. That so is there, a good point. There is an actual decent difference between those. It's not yeah. like it's it's nothing. Well, I, I just mean like you know I, I'll I'll see people after games like after last night where the the Ducks win and they're like oh no this is. We need, we absolutely need the the last spot. It's like you know, this is a year where yeah, a little bit of variance is is not a little bit agreed. A little agreed. bit above that is agreed. not the end of the world. I think finish finishing thirtieth is important as compared to twenty ninth, though. Okay, fair enough. Yep. And so I think with that, let's jump into some questions. So we got some from Twitter that that I do want to jump into before we get into the Twitch chat. Um, and so we got the, these kind of two. One was the first one, and someone kind of followed up with the second question. Says this is from Joe at TTID ninety six. Uh, good Spurs fan over there. Uh, that says a question for tomorrow. How many more? Uh, this came yesterday. How many more wins would the the Ducks have had this year with fifty six games of Trevor Zegers at center playing legitimate minutes? How many more wins? That is yes. a that is a big question. So, I mean, let's see here. Let me pull up the standings. How many how many wins do the Ducks have right now? 
I mean, the Ducks have 10 regulation wins. Okay, well, they have 16 wins overall. So I think if Trevor Zegras plays the, the entire season at center, playing legitimate minutes, that still probably doesn't completely offset Derek Grant, Jacob Larson, you know, all these kind of black holes on the roster. Maybe a couple wins better. I think four or five wins. I think about a 10-point difference. Five? Four or five. Okay. I mean, that's... Maybe, maybe think, think I'm about not how being... many, think about how many games there were that the Ducks just couldn't score, and that was the the reason they I, lost. That's true, but I also think like their win column is really propped up by the fact that they won so many games in overtime and shootout, and so yeah, that is variance right there. Well, yeah, I mean, there is the possibility where I guess maybe some of those wins... That could swing back the other way. Well, I think the other thing is some of those overtime wins may have become regulation wins instead. Exactly. So that's th- what I'm those saying. are still wins. That this is why I think three, two, one is the way to go because it would have changed some things. I one hundred percent agree with that, but I think we're both in agreement that having Zegers would have helped the season. Yes, overall. and even Wilderwing asked as a follow up, how many more on top of that had Aikens not Aikens not played Grant or Larson and left Terry Henry, Kynan Mahura, and Bacchus in? So the this here? this is the big one. This is the bigger question to me. And look, we did a lot of projecting before the season of where this team could finish, looking at different models. And with a fully optimized lineup, I played around with the the war roster generator quite a bit that Jay Fresh had before the season. And the Ducks were like a, you know, a team that could have maybe flirted with that fourth position. If Especially they had, this year with, with how like no team really wants that fourth position in the, uh, in the West. Yeah. In the Honda West. And so I think that if they had had a fully optimized lineup, if they had not, and look, there is something to be said for the injuries that they had this year and the fact that they got no goaltending after basically the first month. Uh, I mean, Gibson's game took a total dive. Uh, I still think that with an optimal lineup, they would have had a much better chance of withstanding those those issues. And I don't. I still don't think they would have made the playoffs. I don't think that they would have gotten into that Final Four, but I think they could have at least been maybe like the Sharks or the Coyotes. And look, I that- think they could have been like a 500 points percentage team. And I think that for the perception of this team, that would have made such a difference. Yeah. Um, because all of a sudden, instead of talking about this rebuild being extended, instead of talking about the ineptitude of Dallas Akins, you're talking about, hey, this is a roster that can still somewhat compete. And I don't think that there were these huge drop-offs in performance from the veterans that, that you know, even if the roster had been optimal, they they would have still struggled a lot of the struggles for Raquel for Henrik early on were shooting percentage based and so that would have turned you know that's something that could easily swing back the other way in a different scenario so yeah I mean that is kind of the weird thing about this season is that the Ducks I think could have been better I think they could have easily had as many points as like the Sharks Kings maybe even Coyotes but they kind of they didn't do themselves any favors in the way that they they built this thing and it is interesting, though, that having that opinion, does that invalidate the opinion that Bob Murray put, you know, put together a bad roster? Because that is also something that we've talked about. I mean, I think what it says is that the the roster that he put together isn't necessarily bad, but the way that he's had because the additions he he made added negative value to it. And he went out and got uh, got Derek Grant in the offseason. He didn't have to sign him. He would have had a better roster as, as a result of Kevin that. Shattenkirk. 
Kevin Shattenkirk has been fine. I will stand by that this entire time. Well, I know, but my point is, you know, I think that we were some we were somewhat optimistic before the season started that the Ducks yeah. couldn't push for fourth. And I just the the way that the season went to me still doesn't necessarily speak to the true talent of the roster. That being said, due to the lack of top end talent, their margin for error was very thin. And yes. having having a drop off in goaltending, having injuries, it really kind of it swept the the rug out from underneath them. Also, I do think that um, you know having a system like Dallas Aikens that doesn't really elevate the roster that doesn't help either. Yep. And I think that that may have been the part that we overrated before the season is that we were of the opinion that, yeah, Dallas Akins didn't really show much of anything in, in year one behind the bench, but with a better roster within a year to instill his principles, you would maybe see an improvement. And instead we saw maybe a step back from Dallas Akins in year two yeah. as, as head coach. We, and that we was something to have. Exactly. And that was something that I don't think we saw coming that yeah. all these just crazy decisions. Yep. Uh, I mean, remember when scratching, we started scratch, scratching Troy Terry multiple games in a row. Well, I mean, it started from training camp, Lundestrom at the wing next yeah. to Ryan Getzlaff and how awful Lundestrom looked at the wing. Yeah. And, and again, it's funny because Akins has talked about how the wing is not that natural for centers. And anyway, yeah. <laughs> It right. is interesting how this season has gone. So this next question, actually, I, I double checked right now, and it actually works out perfect because Evolving Hockey now has their contract projections updated for oh, this upcoming summer. Can you show me the link for that? Uh, just go to Evolving Hockey and go to contract projections under tool. Oh, under making me do work. Yeah, What's under under tools. Under tools is where you go for it. Making but, me do work. Uh, Brian Felix at Felix B seven two five said, "Question for the pod: What are your predictions for RFA's and Getzloff contracts this off season?" So let me just go ahead and I'll run through kind of the the players and let's just see what Evolving Hockey says is the predicted term and let me know if you think on on point high or, or it will go higher or will go lower. So Max Comtois is the big one. Mm-hmm. Evolving Hockey has him predicted at uh, two years at 2.639 a year. Yeah, so I think I think that it will maybe be a little higher than that. More term, term or more cap hit? I mean, I could see I could see three by three. So yeah, so if you go to so at the end it gives kind of average term and average mm-hmm. cap it, and yeah. if it's around three, if it goes up to three years, then it's going to add money to it, and it will be three mil a year. Yeah. So the, the thing with a bridge deal, bridge deals can stay lower in, in number because you're going to have to pay that up later, and so mm-hmm. guys are willing to accept less money in the shorter term if they're if you're going for a two year deal. The issue is that I don't have the years where these guys become UFAs in front of me. I would have to get all that up, but. My gut has always been three million in terms of cap hit, because I'm I'm comparing that to the Raquel contract, and I think that that's I mean it's one that the Ducks signed. He has almost the exact same production from that year and from the year where Raquel signed his his second contract, and so that to me is close to what he'll get. So I, he's not going to get the three point eight, but he'll get close to it. I believe Comtois will be a UFA in five years is I believe what it is, but yeah. don't quote me on that. But I believe five years is when he becomes a UFA. So three years takes him within two years of that. So I would say, I think honestly the two years at 2.6 makes sense. Um, let's see the other name. that so you're, specific- so you're, you're agreeing with the 2.6. I think so. I think that I think a two year term makes sense. Well, Okay, so your so your thought there, just to clarify, is that he will get that cap hit because of the lower term. 
he will get that cap hit. Yes, because basically the way that that bridge deals work is players are willing to accept le- or will take less money for a shorter term because they know that they're betting on themselves essentially, and then the next contract they're gonna make more than that is essentially what. Yeah, they're well, because I mean, if you look at the Raquel contract, he got six years at three point seven nine. If he would have taken, if he if he would have taken two years at, at two point five. Yeah. Where would so, he have ended up after those two years? So his bridge would probably have been, if he had done a bridge deal, would probably have been what uh, Evolving Hockey is projecting here for Coltois. Yep, exactly, exactly. And so I think if you're the player, you are you want that bridge as compared to that six-year deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ryan Getzloff, one year at 2.07. That, that to me sounds almost exactly what I would guess. Yep. Like okay. one year, I mean, two... Maybe a little lower, but he's he's not gonna. I mean, I don't know where I read at some point this season that he could still fetch like a decent salary after this year, and it's just like it's not happening. You want a fun one? Uh, yeah. Hit me. Sam Sam Steele, two years at two point one mil. Yeah, I just don't understand that. I mean, I guess he has put up some kind of some points. Yep. But exactly. He, oh man, even at that number, I'm kind of like. The the the, the main reason there bit. is, I mean, he's. I, I did well, this he's little. A, he's, a, he's a former first round pick. Which well, helps. and I, I I took a quick look, and if you compare his numbers now as compared to what Troy Terry put up last summer, he's significantly better. I mean, forty five points in one hundred twenty six games. Um, so he he has one hundred twenty six games. He has that going for him. Whereas Troy Terry uh, had forty six point. Or sorry, he's at forty six and one twenty five now. So. I mean, if, like, if Sam Steele has a higher cap hit than Troy Terry, which it sounds like that's what will happen, because Evolving Hockey's contract projections are usually pretty accurate. Yep. And so, man, it would just be insane if Steele's making more than, than Terry. I mean, it, it wouldn't be surprising because of everything that we know, but just in terms of how much value they each add on the ice, respectively, that disparity would bug me a little bit. <laughs> yep. Uh, Max Jones, two two years, 1.5 mil. That sounds exactly correct. Yeah. Yep. And Isaac Lundestrom, let's see what they have. 1.016 for two, two years. years. It also yeah. seems about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else are big ones here? Volkov is another one. So, I mean, I they guarantee. They have him on one year. Makes sense, honestly. Yeah. I think he's probably he probably wants to prove it year so that he yeah. can then or no he, no they they have Volkov on a two year so two years eight point or point eight six so eight hundred and sixty k. Oh yeah, why did I see? Why did I think one? Yeah, I mean that also kind of makes sense. Um, he's Volkov is a little he's twenty three, so the yeah. two years will take him closer to free and agency. Then I think Josh, he's turning twenty four this year. Josh Mahura one year seven hundred and eighty k cap hit. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these contracts are kind of nothing contracts. Yeah, the rest of the way. Yep. Um, so, um, I, I think cap friendly. I mean, so that kind of gives you an idea of uh, what to look forward to. And so let's let's move on to this. I next still question. think Montal will get higher than two point six. By the way, if he gets more years, then yes, it depends it's on. It's funny how- because his agent is already campaigning on Twitter. Really? Yeah. Uh I don't follow his agent, so I, I guess I should. Well, there's people in his agency that are already campaigning for him. And I mean, it, it's just the, funny. Yeah, the tough. Yeah, we'll see. I I could see him getting two times two point six. I could see Comtois holding out. Honestly, but what would he hold out for though? Like, what does he want? Does he want three point five? Four? Well, 
I think it's the same reason why the fact I think the issue here and now here's the big question mark. If Bob Murray's handling this negotiation, which that's a big question mark if he's still going to be at the helm by the time these deals are being it's, it's negotiated. Really, it's really adorable that you think that he might not. I, you know, got to hold out hope somewhat. Um, <laughs> but Bob Murray's notorious for for guys that don't have arbitration. For alienating status. RFAs. RFAs with no arbitration. Yeah, he's I mean, look, get, look at look at Raquel and Lindholm. They both yeah. held out. Yeah. Well, Richie. Yeah, Richie. Every single notable RFA. Now that I think about it, has really without arbitration right has held out. I don't think Montour in the last held little out. bit. Did Montour? Montour? I think they settled bef- right before arbitration. Yes, and so that's my point. Is he he had arbitration rights though? Yeah, but they didn't actually go to arbitration. But every single like every single notable RFA without arbitration rights has held out the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, so I think. an agent from I guess Terry hasn't technically an agent from the agency that represents Contois tweeted out today that they said Contois' team leading 14th goal of the season accounts for 12.2 percent of all goals scored by the Anaheim Ducks, the highest percentage of any RFA left winger in the NHL. Oh, yeah. It's I like, saw that, yeah. and it was like very so specific. It's like, obviously, that is completely biased towards mm-hmm. Contois and also ignores the fact that the Ducks have, like, you know, the second lowest goal scored in the league or the, the lowest. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you can't take what these agents say at face value, but you can, you can read between the lines that they're already campaigning. Yeah, for, and for what should be an interesting negotiation. Alex McKay asked, uh, which D should the Ducks protect from Seattle and which D will Bob Murray actually protect? And do you think the Ducks will lose a D-man? And then he also had one final p- portion of this. What number do you think Zegras eventually wears? So I think for the protection, I think they will protect D-men. I think that they will go 4-4. And I, I think agree. That they, I think they will go Fowler, Manson, Shattenkirk, Fleury. And I think the Ducks are, I mean, if I had to guess who the likeliest guy to be claimed from the Ducks is, it'll probably be Josh Mahura. I, I think mean, it's Sam, no, I think it's Sam Steele. Okay. I mean, make the case for Steele over Mahura. Uh, Steele has 125 NHL games and has points. Mahura does not have those many, that many yeah, NHL but, games. Yeah, but I mean, don't we have some kind of assumption here that the Kraken are not going to be a team that just looks at points and games and played? It. And haven't we discussed that Josh Mahura's underlying metrics aren't, metrics aren't exactly that fantastic? Well, they've been good. I mean, they were good last year, again, in a small sample. Mm-hmm. I mean, Steele's numbers have just been god-awful. Uh, and so I maybe that'll scare them away. I mean, the thing with Steele, though, is that if you want to be a Steele optimist, is that he's been in a very brutal environment, and he does have, I guess, somewhat of a skill set. I, I, I still don't really think it's a deep a deep tool toolkit he doesn't have overwhelming speed or doesn't have overwhelming strength or skill but he he is kind of a crafty player and maybe the kraken tell themselves hey this is a guy that maybe if we get into our system into into our development path that we can maybe you know rehabilitate this player but i think mahura has just mahura is still a guy who has some kind of promise he still has potential that hasn't been totally tarnished by what he's, you know, by, by his NHL experience. So if you think they take steel, I mean, go for it, but I, 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 I don't know. I think they take steel over, over Mahara. And I, if those, if the, both those options are available to him, I think it's just steel. Both of them are prospects, but steel, I think ha, is more of a known compo- commodity when it comes to prospects. And yeah, so but, I think well, what is known about him? 
I mean, it's I, yeah, fair. He struggled at the NHL fair, level, but at least he seems more like an NHLer than than Josh Maher does. Well, at yeah, this point nominally, time. like yeah. yes, he has played in the NHL more. Yeah, but um, when he's played, it hasn't. But, now you're just you're just you're running because you know you're wrong, but that's fine. Dalton Keys, by the way, brings up that you <laughs> left out Lindholm from your group of, of D men, but yes, Lindholm is in that group. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what number Zegers will eventually well, actually, wear? No. So if they protect. Lindholm, then they, yeah. So if they if they protect Lindholm, maybe the guy they exp- who would they expose then? Because you got Fowler, Manson, Shattenkirk, Flurry. Oh no, and- no, they don't. They don't protect Shattenkirk. Okay, so you're saying Shattenkirk gets exposed? Yeah, Shattenkirk definitely gets exposed. I mean, would would Seattle take Shattenkirk? I mean, it's I doubt it. I mean, he's he's on a very reasonable contract. I mean, he, he'll, maybe- he'll have two years left. Depends I mean, on what they're looking for. I mean, the thing the 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 thing is with Sam Steele, you're getting potential, I guess, at least. Whereas Shattenkirk, you're not. You're just not getting well, potential. Come it, it's on, either Sam, it's either Sam Steele or, or I mean, I guess here are the options for for Seattle from the. It Dustin. depends it's gonna, what Seattle's. Trying, it, it's going to be Sam be. Sam Steele or Max Jones, and then you could also get Danton Heinen or Sonny Milano or Josh Mahura or Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah. Well, well, my whole thing is if they go out and get Shattenkirk, that helps their kind of short term competitive window. While also not completely yep. bringing them cap wise. Yep. So that's well, they're also not going to be in a rough spot cap wise. Expansion teams are never in rough spots cap cap wise. Well, you know, but they're still forward. Like you're still looking ahead to the future. And yeah. You don't you don't want to do anything True. that's gonna like for example, if you let's say if the Ducks left Fowler out there, which I know they won't, but if they did, I you know Seattle doesn't take. I still don't think they would take him because of that contract. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and I think that that's why Henrique and Silverberg are not going to be uh, taken by Seattle. Yes. So yeah. So to answer the question, I think they go four four, and one of Mahara, Steele, maybe Shattenkirk gets taken. I, I mean, think that's the, maybe or, that's the group of three. Or Heinen or Milano. I mean, do they protect Lundestrom? Yes. Because if you're going if you're going four forwards, you're in a tough spot there. You you protect Raquel. You protect Terry. You protect Lundestrom, and you protect you protect. Probably one of Steeler Jones. Yeah, I mean, who would you protect of those two? I guess Jones. I don't know. I, don't I have mean, a huge J- preference. Jones's numbers have kind of cooled off a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly I don't have a huge preference for that fourth one. I mean, my big issue is that by going only four forwards, you're really leaving a lot on the table. Whereas if you were to go seven three, you could really protect everyone that you would potentially yeah. want to protect. I feel like the the advantage of the the reasons they're going four four don't make a ton of sense. I think it's more so just they have these fear, this fear of losing these guys. And well, you don't. Here's the thing. And and, and by these guys, I mean the blue liners. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna leave Manson unprotected. If that was the the end game here, then you move them at this deadline, even if they weren't getting what they wanted. Yeah. Like like you don't basically leave Manson unprotected. Like there's just no way. Watch them protect Derek Grant. Oh my! If they did. Oh, it might happen. Oh. I want it to happen now just to see your reaction. Oh, all right. So let's get to some questions uh, from the, the Twitch chat. So for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube. You can go to youtube.com slash crash If you want to subscribe to us there, it really helps it a lot. If you want to also hit the 
uh, like button uh, and watch the videos there. It really helps out a bunch. Or listening on your favorite podcast services. The real fun thing we do is a live stream of the show each and every Sunday at 8 p.m. at twitch.tv slash crash the pond where you can interact with us live and throw in some questions uh, in our Twitch chat when we get to the question part of the show. And so uh, for those of you in the Twitch chat, uh, start uh, throwing in your questions in there and throw some questions. Throw something at the front so it's just easy for me to follow. Uh, Kempafu adds, uh, non-Ducks-related question, how long until Bobrovsky becomes the highest-paid backup goalie? I mean, isn't <laughs> well, he already? <laughs> well, Spencer Knight got to start, right? He's Yeah, he got debut. a win. Yeah, I, I did see that. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like I, I was chatting with some friends yesterday about like just the NHL as a whole, and I feel so out of the loop because of being in – not only the divisional format, but also I just feel like this year more than ever, maybe just for me, I don't know. You're probably not like this, but I just have felt so like dialed into just the ducks. Yeah. And and the, and the, the, the kind of daily ins and outs of this team that I feel like I just really haven't kept up on the rest of the league. No, I agree. I don't know. I I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, real kind of side note here. Is the 2019 draft potentially going to go down as being one of those elite drafts that we look back on? That top 10 to 15, the guys are already in the NHL kind of making a difference. You have, I mean, Jack Hughes has become a very good player for the New Jersey Devils. You have uh, Capo Caco, who's been a little bit of a bust in in New York so far, but he's still so young. He he has improved this season, I believe. I mean, Kirby Dock has been an important player for Chicago. Bowen Byram has been a really good player for Colorado. And then Cousins, 13 points in 37 games. Zegris is where he's at right now. Cole Mm -hmm. Caulfield's already scoring goals in in Montreal. You have uh, Spencer Knight starting three games so far. What what has Cole Caulfield done? Scoring goals. Scoring goal. His first NHL goal, game winner in overtime. Can't draw it up any better. Singular. But like <laughs> I, I feel like this this draft is gonna go down as being a great one. I mean, will the Kings look back at take and, and regret taking Alex Turcott? Uh, I mean, will the Oilers regret taking oh, Philip Broberg well, and I mean, I mean that, Detroit that, maybe with Mort Sider also, though he's well, had a Moritz really good Sider, year in, in the SHL. Yeah, he's well, is he in the AHL? No, he was in the back in the SHL this year. Okay. Well, yeah, he's been getting rave reviews, so it sounds like his development is going along great. Um, yeah, I mean, this it's funny how it ha- it has happened so quickly for the 19 class to kind of start looking. Because it was getting written off, I would say, with the way Hughes' rookie season went in particular. Yeah, so but, so yeah. Mort Sider had a, a played in, in for Rogel in the SHL and had 28 points in 41 games in the SHL as a defenseman. So mm-hmm. yeah. very, very, very good. And Cam York, I mean, there's a whole – I mean, Alex Newhook – Yep. is is going to be a very good player. I mean, there's a whole lot of talent from from this draft and I feel like we're going to look back on this first round from 2019 and I mean there's going to be a whole lot of really good players that that came out of it. Yeah, it's funny because if you look at the 2018 draft, I feel like it's been a lot more kind of up and down. I mean, Sveshnikov in a in a redraft, does Svesh, do Sveshnikov and and Kachuk go like 1-2? Or Quinn Hughes go one two. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I just feel like yeah. the way the way the I, I don't. Has gone I don't think. Buffalo. I think. I don't think Darlene's the first defenseman off the board. If yeah, and I feel it. like that's unfortunate because Buffalo has been such a train wreck, and I feel like defensemen maybe get affected by the team performance even more. But yeah, it's just interesting how 
that has gone. Anyway, I mean, I yeah. could talk draft forever. Yep. And so this is a, a the three part question from NJ Devils fan. First question's basically only for me. War games this Wednesday. Who wins? So AEW is having their blood and guts between the Pinnacle and Inner Circle on Wednesday. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic match. It's been a really fun build for it. Uh, I go back and forth because the inner circle has basically won every, or lost every big match that they've had. I mean, they lost the elite in the stadium stampede. Jericho is losing to uh, lost to Orange Cassidy. You had Jericho and, and MJF losing the titles, and so and Jericho obviously lost the title Moxley. But I mean, the Pinnacle are hot, and I feel like they could use a win to set them up to not look like jobbers. It's I really don't know which way it's going to go. I I I want to say inner circle comes out on top because they've lost the big matches before. So I'm going to go with the inner circle. He also said, what do you think of the AHL's Pacific division uh, being the only one doing the playoffs? Uh, I mean, it's good for the Ducks. It's it's, yeah. it's it's good to see the the progression of their prospects. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a that's, good thing. <laughs> we, we should mention that the AHL announced that there would be no Calder Cup playoffs this year, and the divisions would have the opportunity to create a playoff for their division only. And the Pacific Division is the only one doing that. So the playoffs will be specifically for the Pacific Division title. And I think all – John, I, I defend the Ness. I know you're in the, the Twitch chat. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I believe that all Pacific Division teams are going to be a part of it. And so uh, Jamie Drysdale was sent down on uh, deadline day, so he will be eligible. I checked uh, Cap Friendly the other day, and he was sent down in a, in a paper transaction to the taxi squad. So Drysdale and Zegras will be eligible for that. Third one, and we mentioned this actually on our uh, Patreon episode. So if you want more talk about the NHL's TV deals, go listen to our latest Patreon yeah. episode. But it said, will there be any AEW NHL crossover with the Turner deal? And I made the point, bring in Chris Jericho. His yeah. dad played for the New York Rangers and I believe the Chicago Blackhawks maybe also, maybe the Winnipeg Jets. But Jericho definitely knows hockey. His dad played in the NHL. He's a guy that can elevate, uh, basically just talk his way out of anything and make anything entertaining. Bring in Chris Jericho to call a game. There we go. Sure. Th- there it is. Uh, SJ Hockey said, is Flurry that valuable to go 4-4? No. But I think here's the thing. But that's why they brought him in. Yes. Like, they value him. You I'm don't... not saying that that's why they brought him in, but the fact that they brought him in means they'll protect him. Yeah, exactly. And you don't bring him in if you're not planning to protect him. I mean, him. they also gave up. Ne- next to and nothing sixth, and a sixth round pick but next I think to nothing they, but yeah. i think they have identified him as a guy who they they want to see what he can do and potentially be part of that next wave yep and defend the nest asks how do you like simone ben or god i will do that forever simon benoit ben and hashtag benoit smash this came came from defend the nest wait sorry what was the question uh how do you like uh simon benoit so far yeah i mean i think that you know, in his first few games, he was he wasn't that noticeable. Like he didn't really do a ton, especially in the first game. But as as the the sample size is kind of built out a little bit, I think that you can see the mobility. You can see the some of the puck handling ability. I don't think that his first pass is necessarily the bread and butter, but it's it's definitely not a liability either and i think he's been a good addition um but i'm i'm still kind of waiting to see a bit more of him to have a a stronger conclusion because he just hasn't really stood out that much one way or the other which is not a bad thing by the way yep good friend of the show ken pafu uh asked felix specific question will montreal extend Corey perry now that he has an a (laughs) well part of the reason he has an a is because of all the injuries that the canadians have i mean like gallagher is out weber is out 
Tatara was out. So they have a lot of bodies out. Uh, I don't know if they're going to extend him. I mean, I think they might want to, but they have so many contracts that they need to re-sign over the summer. And I just, and they also have another class the year after, right? They have, they have to extend Kotkaniemi this year and then Suzuki the year after that. So it's, it's going to be a challenge and I don't necessarily know how that's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know if they're back. Hey, maybe the Ducks bring back Perry on a, on a tiny contract. Let him finish off the year as, or finish off the career as a duck. I think that would be really cool if they be. did that. I mean, but. they are paying him already. Just pay him one mil anyways. <laughs> uh, Lewis, yeah. Lewis X209 with a completely off-topic question, which I love. Favorite kind of cheese? Ooh, that is a hard one. That is a hard one. I mean, it depends. Like, what's the scenario? Like, uh, like in what context? Like, on a burger, I love, like, cheddar, for example. Um, just in, like, yeah, sharp cheddar. Extra sharp cheddar is awesome. I do love brie cheese. Maybe this is a bit of a... A, a bit of a highbrow kind of. Oh, brie cheese is great. Kind of a snooty taste. Have you ever had brie cheese on a burger? Uh, I may have, but it's good. To me, there there are a few things just more enjoyable in life than just a piece of brie cheese on a piece of bread, like French bread. It's just it doesn't get much better than that, to be honest with you. Yep, and nothing like a something like put cheese. Monterey Jack. Monterey Jack is fine, but like. There's just so many better cheeses. Nothing I'm like sorry. cheese talk to bring out the comments in the Twitch chat, though. Uh, also, Char- fre- fre- fresh mozzarella is very good. Uh, defend the Ness is a uh, man. Uh, John is after your heart saying poutine cheese. Yeah. So cheese curds. Cheese, cheese curds are very good. Yeah. But they're not the best. No. All right. So this question from Ann Young, which we actually, I think, also discussed. Pepper Jack is good. NJ Devils fan. Good addition there. In depth on the latest Patreon episode. So, if you want kind of more discussion about this, go check out that episode. Go check out the Patreon. But Power being ranked number one this draft, and uh, or with Owen Power being ranked number one this draft, and say the Ducks win the lottery, would you consider trading the number one pick to like Columbus or Detroit for maybe their fourth through seventh pick and one of their later first round picks and take a flyer at getting Beneers, Johnson, Gunther, Eklund with that four through seven? Yes. Yep. Yes, this is I, the year to trade down if we, you we, get that hybrid pick. We we discussed this on on the last episode, but yeah, the the uh, I believe it. Yeah, Columbus and Detroit are. Did the we talk? Two. We didn't talk about this specific scenario with Columbus, but we did talk about I think trading down. We no, we I mentioned Columbus specifically oh, on the well, Patreon episode, and you thought that Yarmo was not was too smart to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think they would do it, but if they really wanted Owen Power, or maybe the maybe the blue jackets will do what they always do and take some off the board guy at number one, take Simon Edvinson number one. Yeah. And the ducks ended up getting four and whatever the second pick would be in the first I mean, round. Columbus right now is, has Tampa's pick and Toronto's pick. Detroit has Washington's. So I mean, and, likely you're getting like four and 29 or yeah, something like that. Maybe 32. Some, I mean, I, to me that I would do that in a heartbeat. And, and I mean, you we're seeing if you, for those somewhat paying attention to the U 18s, Sasha yeah. Pasuyov has been tearing it up for the U.S. And he's a player that is currently set to go in the second or maybe third round, depending no. on where you look. No, he's a first-rounder. Oh. oh, there are plenty of places that don't even have him in the top 32. That's silly. That's that's silly. Speech. But hockey prospecting have, has him as one of the top five players in this draft. Well, Brent Clark has been really good at the U18s as well. It's funny that this is a year where the U18s I feel matter so much more. Well, like, it's because I feel we like don't I, we haven't been able to see all these players really. Exactly. Like I feel like this is a year where I've paid attention to the U18s more than I ever have 
which is not a lot, by the way, in the past. Yeah, I don't think I've ever even paid one ounce of attention to the U18s. Exactly, yeah. Which is funny, because it is an important tournament, but especially this year. Yeah. Um, so, yes, to answer your I mean, question, that is a definitely a great idea. Yeah. I don't know if they would do it, though. Yeah, I mean, Dalton Keyes asked, but do we really think Bob Murray will pass on drafting Owen Power? I, I mean, just, that, that assumes that Bob Murray's still the GM. Just going to put that out there. Give that up. He is coming back. He is it, coming back. If he is not, oh man, I'm dancing on your grave. <laughs> I mean, if he is not, I'll be happy too because I'm 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 ready for this franchise to be led by someone that like has a 21st century mindset. Hopefully, but wow, um, wow. Well, what do you mean? Just 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 straight he, up calling out right there. Yeah, he Bomberi has a dinosaur approach. Like yeah. we we know this. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. God gaslighting but, a bit <laughs> maybe but yeah i don't think the ducks would pass on owen power and honestly i mean owen power is definitely going to be good he's pick. a he's a good floor pick like i yes. think he has a high floor i yes. just don't think he increases your ceiling at all yes get get maddie veneers i'm all aboard the maddie veneers i mean team. i think maddie veneers is kind of a floor play too but i think that position has like having those kind of forwards is more beneficial than having Here, here's, like a floor type he, defenseman. Here's the reason why I think Owen Power is defensible that, uh, right now. Same thing with Matty Beniers, which are both floor floor plays. They would both be kind of paired with guys that are high ceiling plays, and so it's not it in oh, the you sense mean for the Ducks. For the yeah. Ducks, the fact mm-hmm. that that Owen Power would be with uh would be would be with Jamie Drysdale, Zegris, and, and Matty Beniers would be the two guys down the center. Uh, nah. position and so i think that that sets the ducks up for success long term nate is throwing in the twitch chat luke hughes or riot no. i don't want luke hughes luke hughes is not like he i don't think he, he might go in the top 10 but i that ankle I that i mean that is it's his achilles right his achilles injury is yeah he's sketchy. got really bad injury you know history like his he does have a nice prospect profile but apparently there's some off ice issues there like it's just it's not great. I mean, the thing, um, the thing. I mean, I would take Eklund or Clark b- before Power or maybe even Beneers. So there you go. Yeah. So I mean, we'll have plenty of of draft talk. So now we up. have people in our chat. Just it's insert prospect name or riot. So we got Luke Hughes, Luke Hughes or riot, Gun- Dylan Gunther or riot. Uh, <laughs> Who's next? Yeah. <laughs> Who's next? yeah Um, yeah exactly exactly um so i think that's probably gonna do it for us tonight on the questions yes for wallstead or riot yes yes imagine the ducks drafted we we should just for christian charbonneau mention fabian lysel who is uh he's the guy he is rising name i think i mean if for anyone in our discord you will know that that name has been thrown out there for months and months and months because christian is a huge fan of uh fabian lysel and give him props. He's a guy that has been tearing it up at the U18s and, and making mm. him look like a very smart man. Yeah. This is not the year, though, to kind of just hold on to that first-round pick at, you know, at, at whatever cost. I think that if, if a team approaches you with a deal like that, you should really either consider it or do it. But either way, I mean, it's it's not something you can just overlook. Yeah. O-Dog with the right opinion saying Eklund or Riot. That's the correct opinion. Yeah, I mean, I the the thing with Eklund is you can see the upside. Yeah. There, there, there's an upside argument there, and, and like I've said in the past, that to me is what I value the most it, with the first round pick is someone yep. who could potentially change the course of your franchise, not just someone who will. I mean, I hate to harp 
on on this pick because I think he's been fine this year, but like drafting Isaac Lindstrom in the first round in 18, it's like, you know, yeah, it's a guy who'll play, but what's the upside there really? You know, what's the potential there to really kind of change things up? And look, that's my philosophy. I'm not saying that it's the only way to look at this, but I think that if you look at teams who have drafted for upside, they, they tend to do a little better, I think. Before we head out real quick here, do you want to quickly touch, touch on the 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 comments about Getzloff potentially retiring about him being over the hill? No, I'm just going to I'm going to leave that there. Okay. I mean, I think yes, I mean, I think Getzloff's been good this year. Yes, I, I think that that, yeah, that was more so what I wanted to say. Yeah, I mean, is, I, Getzloff I, has been very good this year. Yeah, I mean, look, the points, the production hasn't been there. It, it's kind of you can say that about a lot of Ducks forwards, but if you look at his two-way game, if you look at his impact, defensively and offensively just in terms of like shot volume shot quality he's still been an impactful player i think he's had kind of a nice bounce back year from his impacts last year and the year before that and that to me is a positive sign and if the ducks can get him on that kind of cheap one-year deal it could end up being a really nice value contract especially as maybe the team improves around uh, around him now the numbers and right now, they're not quite as good as they were at different points this season, but they're still like he's still above break even in a lot of these different metrics. And, and now up on the screen, I have his player card from Jay Fresh, which has him. He's basically been in the over the course of the last three years, been in the 60th percentile for. Yeah, war. and if you look at the trend for this year, like he's taken a step up. Well, the only issue is overall war has taken a step down. He's in the 25th percentile yeah, but, this year. But that's mostly because of shooting. That's exactly. because of the lack of finishing. And exactly. that is something that has been an issue for the entire team. And that I think is mostly, I mean, not mostly, but like there's a lot more variance there. Yeah. And so, and, the, the, and so the fact that his actual impacts have improved, that is a good sign. Yeah. And so that's kind of, if you're looking at the screen right so, now, I mean, the, all, the, of the, all of that to say though, that the conclusion that he's over the hill is just like incorrect. Incorrect. Yeah. Objectively. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you can see, so basically for anyone looking at the screen right now, war percentile rank, you can see that go down, but this right hand bottom right hand side, you can see his offense is still up in the, I mean, he's still well above the 75th percentile in terms of even strength offense, yeah. which, which just shows you how good offensively he is. And his defense has actually taken a step up uh, to Big be about the up. 50th percentile. And the only thing that's come down is finishing, which comes down to playing with not exactly guys that can put the puck in the back of the net. Um, yeah. he's never been a guy that's basically been good at finishing. Um, that's something we can all agree on it and we all know. And so, um, the, the real Bennett or the real kind of drag down is that he hasn't had consistent line mates who can score. Exactly. And, and, and I think that's where the finishing has really fallen off for him. And the thing is, it's also happened to a lot of guys in the team. And so yeah. I don't think they all became just bad finishers overnight. Right. Like there seems to be something systemic there. Um, but yeah, the Ducks should re-sign Getzloff for a one-year extension and also bring back Perry. Yeah, that Getzloff would be great. And, Getzloff and Perry, and this is not meant to be a shot at them. Getzloff, them and Perry, Getzloff and Perry on the fourth line. Yeah, like that would be infinitely more, if nothing else, entertaining than like a Grant Laurier fourth line. Get, Getzloff, Perry, Raquel again on the fourth line, although hopefully Raquel has moved in the offseason. That actually can't happen. You know what? Bring back Bobby Ryan. Yeah, yeah, you can bring back all three this offseason. Bring back all three this offseason. Give us a Ryan, a, a Ryan Getzloff Perry. The, an RP, it, is the, it, is it the RPG line? Is the, RP, the RP the RPG line. Bring back the RP RPG line. They're all making one mil each. Do it. 
You know, that would be great. Like that would. This is what they need to do. No, this not is what Justin needs to Penner. Ha- not no, Justin. No, Penner. no, no, no. Stop. Please, God, stop, no. John. John. No. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Riot. Like, come on. This needs to happen. Buy out Grant. Buy out Delorier. Get him out of here. Give us well, a fourth line of Delorier's Bobby Riot. Contract is up, isn't it? No, he season. has another year. Because remember, they he counts for the forty seventy or whatever it is. This that now I thirty fifty whatever it is. He he's under contract for another year after this one because he was signed to a two year extension to basically fill that role in the yeah. expansion draft exposure requirements. And we should make mention of that for anyone that is looking at the expansion draft thing. The check mark on evol- or on cap friendly's thing for the Seattle expansion draft trade machine thing. If they have that uh, check mark next to them, that doesn't mean, or if it's not checked next to them, that doesn't mean they're not eligibly selected. They're just not, they haven't played enough games where they will meet the exposure requirements. Because I've seen a couple Wait, so, people be so Bobby Ryan will be a free agent? Yeah, Bobby Ryan signed a okay. one year deal in oh, That's right. Are you tweeting this out right now? I am, because it's really funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It's really funny. This needs to happen. We, it does. We, I'm, I'm so I'm so glad that we like pieced this together. The, yeah, th- I think Dalton Keys was the one who mentioned Bobby Ryan. So thank you, Dalton, uh, yes. for putting that in there. This, yeah. this this is now this needs to happen. Yeah. But what number does Bobby Ryan wear? Does does Bobby Ryan go back to 54? I would. Well, because w- number w- nine is retired now. That's true. Yeah, I mean he'll have to go back to 54. Or I don't know what else or, he's worn. Since. I mean, he wore six in Ottawa because it he was nine six. upside down. I don't think anyone else is wearing. I think six he wore fifty four in Detroit. Yeah. So yeah, go fifty four. Well, yeah, he sure as heck ain't wearing nine in Detroit. So <laughs> yeah. At this point, give me that. Give me a fourth line that's entertaining and at least warms my heart. Yeah. And who knows? They might even be better. <laughs> Just, like like look at the way Corey Perry has played this season. Look yeah. at the way Ryan Getzlaff has played this season. That might not even be a bad the, line. The only way that will happen is if Bob Murray's gone, though. Yeah, well, because he's for sure burned bridges there. He, Yeah, he burned bridges with Bobby Ryan for sure. I mean, Bobby Ryan called out Bob Murray on a golf course once. Um, and, and then you you have – there's definitely a burn bridge with Corey Perry, you would think. Oh, well, I mean, it, it couldn't have been a very um, – couldn't have been the most pleasant ending. No. So, yeah, so I think that will do it for now. Let's end with that because that's a fun note to end on. Yeah, positive it Sunday. It's been a positive Sunday. Look at that. Look at us. Look at look at us. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that we would have made it this far? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, did you, did you have anything else you wanted to say? Um, no. I think I'm. I think I'm all good. I mean, the only thing to add is anyone listening to this, we will be doing our watch along uh, this week. We are potentially going to do it on Wednesday, but that is not set in stone yet. So we are going to do one watch along this week for a game. And then we're going to do a watch along uh, later on in the month for a playoff game is what we're going to do for the two watch alongs this month. So for anyone subscribed to the Patreon at that tier, expect that to come out soon. Okay. Well, you heard it there first. So if you want to, if you want to support the show, if you've been enjoying what we've been doing here, you've got a couple of ways to do that. So Jake brought up the Patreon, patreon.com slash crash the pond. So for $1 a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord chat. It's a lot of fun. You get to connect with other diehard Ducks fans. We do chats in-game, you know, going back and forth there. We'll also just talk about random stuff around the league, whatever it is. For $5 a month, you still get access to that chat, and you also get access to two bonus episodes a month, and that will be where we do league-wide topics, where we'll talk about, you know, deeper dives into what's going on with the Ducks, specific topics there. 
And if you are a patron, you get to throw in suggestions into the Discord chat. And so we can we can we will we will get into those on the on the bonus episodes. And then for fifteen dollars a month, Jake already brought it up, but we do two watch alongs a month where we do a live broadcast of two Ducks games. Now in the off season, clearly there's not gonna be any Ducks games. So we're gonna have to find a way, but we are we are gonna keep that tier. We may do some playoff games you know, around the NHL. Maybe we'll, we'll just keep, we'll just make it that maybe we'll do some throwback ducks games, but the patrons will have a, a heavy hand in deciding what we'll do there. So um, that's at patreoncom slash crash the pond. Now, if money's a little tight, that's totally understandable. Um, you can always uh, leave us a rating and a review on Apple podcasts. If you leave us a review, we'll be sure to read it here. Um, you can also follow us on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube so you can get the video version of Ooh. the show. Uh, by the way, Odog81 with a very good one. An AEW pay-per-view watch-along. No, that isn't happening. I, I think we might have to. No, no. I think we might have to. We've done it before in a way. We we have Jake once forced me to watch. Uh, it, was, it, was AE, it was AEW's best pay-per-view they've put on also. It was uh, Full Gear 2020 with uh, John Moxley versus Chris Jericho, Young Bucks, versus Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Just some great things. Great, yes. great things. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that we, we got to talk about that again. It's okay. It was a great, it was a great show. It was a fun podcast. I, <laughs> that, was was. Pre, that was just before full lockdown. Was it? Yeah. I don't, I, it was like end, end of February, early March. Yeah, that's right. That is right. So... Anyway, uh, what else is I going to say? Yeah, make sure to check out our website, CrashThePond.com. Uh, follow that on Twitter, at CrashThePond. We've got five takeaways after each Duck series. So, hey, we still got a couple more here and coming out. expect kind of once the season's over, I'm going to start sitting down and finally writing that expansion draft preview. We'll probably have some draft profiles going yep. up. Uh, everything that you kind of need a preview of maybe a little bit of what to expect with the draft lottery. We'll have a lot of we'll, we'll have some offseason content coming your way. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. So with the with the draft coming up, with the expansion, everything like that, there's still going to be a lot to talk about. So this show is it feels like, you know, with the games ending, we're thinking, oh, yeah, things are going to wind down. But it never really stops and, and, until we get to like July, August is when things kind of start slowing down after yeah. free agency. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And then follow us on Twitter. Jake is at Reindeer Games 91. I am at Felix underscore Sicard and. That will do it for us this week, folks. Have a great Monday. Have a great week. And we will talk to you soon. Bye.